Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is a message brought to our church by a guest speaker. We hope that it is a blessing to you, and we would love to hear how God has used it in your life. I know tonight is going to be a great night, going to be a huge help to us. We have a message from Pastor Kurt Skelly. He pastors Faith Baptist Church in Fredericksburg, Virginia. And Pastor Skelly has been a good friend of mine for a number of years. And I know that the message tonight will be a help to each one of us. And so I want to encourage you, get your family, sit down and get focused in. And let's allow God to speak to us during these next few moments as we listen to Pastor Kurt Skelly from Faith Baptist Church in Virginia. And we'll uh, talk to you again after the message. Hey, good evening, Moses Lake Baptist Church family. And uh, thank you for letting me be a part of your, uh, your, your church uh, midweek service. And it means a lot to me that uh, your pastor would have that kind of friendship uh, with me, that he would trust me to, to speak to you tonight. And I do appreciate uh, the fact that you're, you're listening and watching tonight. Uh, these, are, these are crazy days. Uh, all the COVID craziness that's going on. And I uh, greatly appreciate your stand for the Lord, uh, your testimony. I know that in many ways, Washington State uh, faced this situation earlier than the rest of the country. And we, we remember those early days when the reports were coming out of Washington and, and all of the, the fear that went along with it. And certainly we've learned some lessons, haven't we, in these weeks. Uh, I know one thing, God's blessing. And this is not what we would have chosen, uh, but I was talking to some of our, our folks earlier uh, this week and saying that this past Sunday may have been the greatest day for the gospel in the history of the world as far as the number of people that were impacted and reached uh, because of the technology that we have. I know that we had a great day uh, here at Faith Baptist, and uh, I was talking to Robert a little bit earlier and what a day that you all had at Moses Lake with the three services on Sunday and especially that first service, just the engagement uh, uh, online. Uh, it was amazing. And so thank you for all that you did to share and to like and to comment and to do the watch parties, all the things that you did to make the, the service successful. Uh, it, was, it was outreach. It was you using the tools that God put in your hand to make a difference for the cause of Christ. And so thank you for that. We love Moses Lake. Uh, it's been my privilege to, to be at your church on numbers of occasions, uh, most specifically at the youth conference every summer. And uh, I've, I've said it before, I'll say it again, uh, the job that you do on that youth conference is amazing. Uh, to see what, what God is raising up right there at Moses Lake and to see the numbers of teens that come, the impact that your church is having it is amazing. I love Pastor Dennis and Hannah and the kids. Uh, I love the Fountain family. And, uh, I mean, Hannah, we know, is the, the real key to that family, the, the Picasso of the independent Baptist world. And so thank you for uh, your friendship to me. Robert and Beth, we know that Beth runs the church. We do know that. Uh, but Robert and Beth, you, you all are a blessing. And then uh, Micah and Rebecca, we've been praying specifically for them. What a joy it was to have Micah come out recently and pre present his burden uh, for the church plant. And we're praying for that big day uh, coming up this summer and uh, praying for uh, that, that, uh, that transition for your church 
and then Brian and Samantha, we love you as well. And just really everybody there at Moses Lake. Dennis Sr., uh, what a hero you are to me. Uh, your testimony in your cancer battles over the years has been um, just a, a just a, a super example of what it means to follow the Lord in good times and in bad. So thank you for your example. And just all of you, all of you at, at Moses Lake, thank you for being my friend and thank you for allowing me to spend a few minutes with you tonight. I wanted to stay in Bible study mode tonight and answer a question for us. We know that the Bible has the answers to all of life's problems. And uh, I, I've got, a, I've got a, uh, a Bible study tonight that I think that will be helpful to you, whether you're a young person, a teenager, uh, a young couple, uh, maybe you've been saved for many, many years. It really doesn't make a difference what your demographic is and really how long that you've been a Christian. I believe that everybody uh, will go through in some way, shape, or form what I'm talking about uh, tonight. And here it is, ready? What to do, what do I do when I feel betrayed? What do I do when I feel betrayed? Just understand this. In human relationships, you are going to go through betrayal. Why? Because people are fickle. You're fickle. I am. I, I, I wish I could say that I've always been uh, an example of faithfulness and fidelity in all of my friendships over the, over the years. But, but, but I know that I've failed people. And I know that you have as well. And we've all been failed by other people. And let's face it, one of the most difficult things to go through in life is a failure in a relationship. To have a friend that was there for you that is not there for you anymore. Somebody that you used to be able to uh, call at a moment's notice and you knew that they would give you just that right, right piece of advice or you just knew if everybody else in the world uh, was not there, this person will be there. And yet that person is not there anymore. Maybe somebody that used to sit right next to you at church or maybe somebody that used to uh, be the first person you'd call when you're going through a trouble or, or having a, a question. Well, we've all dealt with betrayal. The Lord himself, we know, dealt with betrayal. The, the person about whom we'll speak tonight from the Bible, boy, he knew full well what betrayal looked like and what it felt like. So I want you to open your Bible whether you're there on your couch or you're sitting there at your kitchen table, or maybe you're, you're traveling right now and just listening to this by audio. But if you have a Bible available to you that you can open, I'd like for you to do that tonight. So 2 Samuel, the book of 2 Samuel, and chapter number 15. 2 Samuel, chapter 15. Let's go all the way toward the end of David's life and ministry. He's a king. He's fought the big battles. Uh, he's established the kingdom. You would think that these would be the greatest days of David's life. And yet, in many ways, they're the worst days. And I, I would submit that what David is going to go through in the chapter that we'll read tonight is probably the lowest spot in his life. It would be for me. It would be for me. So 2 Samuel chapter number 15 and I want you to look at verse 12. I'll read a few verses. I'll bring us up to speed on the, 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 the chapter itself. And then I want to give you three principles tonight. 
uh, what to do when you feel betrayed. When you feel betrayed, three principles I think will help you in your life. So 2 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 12. And Absalom sent for Ahithophel, the Gilonite, David's counselor, from his city, even from Gilo, when he offered sacrifices, and the conspiracy was strong. For the people increased continually with Absalom. Uh, let's just go ahead and stop right there, and I'll give you the background, and we'll jump right into the, the passage itself, and I'll kind of give you the principles uh, as the passage unfolds. Okay, you know the story about David. You know how that David was a man after God's own heart. You know how David was that shepherd boy whom God chose. You know how that David defeated Goliath. And David, for some years, had to run from Saul because David was God's choice and Saul had been rejected as God's choice. And you know how Saul maniacally wanted to kill David. And David had to run and hide in caves and in forests and even at one point went to the side of the Philistines. You know the whole story. Eventually, Saul died at the battle of uh, uh, Aphek, that's, that, that's the name of the battle on, uh, on the Philistine side, and uh, the battle of Gilboa uh, on the Israelite side, that's what it's called. At any rate, De- Saul died, and so did Jonathan, the other sons, and now David is the king. Uh, for about seven years, uh, David ruled over just the tribe of Judah. And then eventually, uh, Saul's son Ishbosheth was deposed, and the kingdom was united. And now David is ruling and reigning from Jerusalem. And the kingdom had been united. And David, for years, established the, that kingdom in strength. All the enemies had been expelled, all the borders were safe. You would think that David was just going to glide into, uh, into uh, the sunset. And yet what happened? You know what happened. Bathsheba, Uriah, and covering sin, Nathan the prophet, and all the family trouble, and Amnon, and Tamar, and Absalom, all of it. Matter of fact, with Absalom, David's oldest son, remember Absalom kind of uh, murdered, didn't kind of, he did it, murdered uh, Amnon, and And David expelled him from the area and gave him the silent treatment. And years and years of bitterness began to well up in Absalom. And even though Joab finally kind of patched the two together and got them back in the same town, uh, and things were never really right. And Absalom never really forgave his dad. And David never really made the relationship right. And so what happened? Absalom began to turn the hearts of the people toward himself and away from David. Oh, it was, it was betrayal. I mean, just call it what it is. It was, it was betrayal. It was a coup that was forming, and David was unaware of any of it. And so finally here in 2 Samuel chapter number 15, um, it, it's, it's happened. And now uh, the, the, the tables have turned, and... The people uh, are all now on Absalom's side. The conspiracy is strong, the Bible says. And David is going to have to leave his own capital city. I mean, he's going to have to do it right now. Watch what happens in verse 13. And there came a, a messenger to David saying, The hearts of the men of Israel are after Absalom. 
And David said unto all his servants that were with him in Jerusalem, Arise, let us flee, for we shall not else escape from Absalom. Make speed to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring evil upon us and smite us and smite the city with the edge of the sword. And the king's servants said unto the king, Behold, thy servants are ready to do whatsoever my lord the king shall appoint. The king went forth and all his household after him. The king left ten women, which were concubines, to keep the house. The king went forth, all the people after him, and tarried in a place that was far off. And all his servants passed on beside him. And all the the Carathites and the Pelathites and the Gittites, 600 men, which came after him from Gath, passed on before the king. So what's going on? Well, David realizes at the last minute, wow, Absalom has the entire country coming in, and they're going to overtake Jerusalem. They're going to kill me. They're going to overtake the the kingdom. And David has to get out, and speed time is of the essence. What's happening? David is being betrayed, and he's being betrayed by his own son. He's being betrayed by his own people, the people whom he has faithfully served all these many years. That's not fair. And betrayal, it really, it's never fair. And yet, it's a reality. Okay, Pastor Skelly, what do you do? What do you do when you're betrayed or when you feel betrayed? I would say, first of all, we need to learn to expect it and accept it. Now, I know that's hard to hear. We need to learn to expect it and we learn to accept it. Listen, we live on planet Earth. We live among sinful human beings. It must needs be, Jesus said, that offenses will come. We're going to suffer betrayal. We're going to suffer uh, ill will. We're going to suffer malice from other people. It's going to happen. And if every time it happens in our life, we act as if, Oh, I can't believe this has happened. I'm so taken by surprise. Uh, This is not fair. We go into lament mode. Then it's only going to destroy us. We need to understand that in the human condition on planet Earth, uh, we're we're going to go through times of betrayal. And we need to learn to expect it, not in a stoic way, and learn to accept it, to understand that this is part of the human condition. And sometimes the reason why people are treating us the way that they're treating us is sometimes part and parcel to what we've done. Because we love to, uh, we love to sit in the, in the place of, uh, of complete justifiability to say, well, I didn't deserve this and I can't believe my own son. And I. But really when you look at the situation and, and examine it carefully, what you're going to find is that David had contributed to this. Uh, David had made some decisions that caused this situation to ripen and to be fertilized. And now David is reaping, in some ways, some of the decisions that he's made in his own life. I would say this, in all relational difficulty, it's easy to look at the other person and say, I can't believe, and they're so wrong. And the simple fact of the matter is, Absalom was wrong. It was completely sinful for him to be be, uh, standing against the authority of his dad, of his king. But the simple fact of the matter is, 
Nathan, five years earlier, had predicted, David, there's going to be trouble in your house because of choices you've made. And the best thing to do in all relational difficulty is not to look at all the ways by which we can blame other people because you'll always find those ways. Those ways are always obvious. The best thing to do in relational difficulty is to take the long, hard, painful, introspective look at yourself and say, Lord, in what ways have I contributed to this? Lord, in what ways can I learn from this? How have I not been what I need to be in this relationship? You see, uh, David needed to learn to accept it and to expect it. It's only as we accept what is, we could always sit around and lament what could be. We could always talk forever about the what ifs of life. Well, what if I had not expelled him from the country? And what if I had a better relationship? And what if I had never sinned with Bathsheba? And what if I, you you can beat yourself up with all the what ifs. But at this point, at this point, David had to deal with what is. And the what is of the situation was, uh, hey, he has betrayed me. The army's going to come against me. There are people that I love and there are people that serve with me that are also in jeopardy right now. I don't have time. I don't have the luxury to sit around and talk about every single what if. You can beat yourself up forever with that. No, I've got to do something in the situation right now. And so expect it and accept it so you can do something in it in the moment. All right, let's go on in our passage. So what happened? Well, Absalom had uh, forged this conspiracy, and now the conspiracy was strong, and at any possible moment, the coup would rise up, and David and those that would follow him would be crushed in this rebellion. And so David realizes that time is of the essence. So what does he do? He focuses immediately upon the people that are with him that need his help. Hey, guys, we've got to get out. I mean, drop what you're doing. Uh, uh, punch out of work right now, Uh, get your house in order, Uh, drop all the superfluous uh, priorities that you thought you had. There's one priority now, and that is we've got to get out of the city. He immediately went into how can I help the people around me mode. How can I help the people around me mode, okay? So what do we learn when we feel betrayed? What do we learn when we are betrayed? Well, we learn, number one, that we need to expect it and accept it. Learn to look inward, not outward, when things like that happen in your life. But I would say this, number two, uh, when you are betrayed or feel betrayed, you're going to find out who your friends are. Now, I know that you've said something like that, a similar thing like that in trouble in your life, but it's very true. You're going to find out in a way that you never could have found out before you're going to find out who your friends are. It's very difficult in times of prosperity. It's very difficult during times of, of, of relative ease in our life. It's very difficult to ascertain who are the real friends. But I'm going to tell you something. When you go through adversity, when the chips are down, when things aren't what they were, those are strategic times in your life when you're going to find out who your friends are. You're going to find out. Uh, A friend will come in when the whole world goes out, right? 
A brother is born for adversity. And you're going to find out. Uh, and so David now, he's rallying around the people that are faithful to him, the people to whom he's going to be faithful. These are people, if you study the passage, that are, are ready. Okay, David, at a moment's notice, we'll follow you. They're responsive. Okay, David, tell us what to do. They're resolved. David, whatever it is, whatever it takes, if we have to go live out in the forest, if we have to uh, eat grubs, if we have to run for our lives, David, we are going to be faithful to you. Here's what I'm saying. I'm saying sometimes when we go through betrayal in our life, we end up causing the betrayal in some indirect ways to cause us to betray. We get so fixated on this person did me wrong, these people ought to understand better. After all I've done for them, what ends up happening is we become mentally controlled by the person that's betrayed us, and now we're not investing in the people that haven't betrayed us. We're not paying attention to the people in our life that are there, that have not walked out the door, that are not part of the conspiracy. And David didn't make that mistake. When David was betrayed, he found out who his friends were, and he invested in those that stayed. He went into king mode. He went into protection mode. He went into friend mode. I'm not going to forget about, I wonder how often that, that's happened in our own lives. You know, we've had a bad day at work, and so we take it out on the family. We got fired from that job, and so now our kids pay for uh, a bad decision that some previous boss made. How, how wrong is that? And in essence, what's happened is that betrayer has caused me to betray a portion of my relationships. And so we have to understand that in betrayal, we've got to learn to expect it. We have to learn to accept it. But in betrayal, we're going to find out who our true friends are. And so let's pay attention to the people that are within arm's length of us. Let's pay attention to the people that are nearby. I could say, even in this COVID situation that you're facing, Moses Lake, that you need to pay attention to the people that are around you. you know, have we been hurt by uh, this situation? Sure. Maybe even some of you, well, you're really struggling financially. Maybe you feel betrayed by uh, the edicts of our government or betrayed by... Hey, don't allow your feeling of betrayal to cause you to take it out on the people that are right next to you, that are in the house with you, that are suffering the quarantine alongside of you. It's so important because we're going to find out in situations like these who our real friends are. And so focus on those that are listening and attentive uh, and, 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 and give your time and attention to them. There's a third thought that I want to give you, and this is really the main thought I want to give you. And so what do you do when you feel betrayed? Well, learn to accept it. Learn to expect it. What do you do when you feel betrayed? Okay, you're going to find out who your real friends are. And so be careful to identify them and be careful to serve them. The best way by which David served them was to get them to a place of safety. He left a skeletal crew uh, back at the palace, uh, these 10 concubines. The Bible says that he led the people out of the city. He led them down to the brook Kidron. 
And the Bible says that when he led them out of the city, a very dangerous maneuver, when he got to the, to the, the barrier, the Brook Kidron, he waited until everybody got across the brook and then he went last. And so he went first when it was dangerous in leading them out. He went last when it was dangerous because they would be chased. I mean, as a leader, boy, he put all the onus upon himself in that situation. When he could have been licking his wounds, when he could have been saying, saying oh, me. No, he immediately went into friend mode and said, I'm going to invest in the people that are in this with me. That's a, that's a marvelous way to look at it. Now, watch, if you would, the passage again. We're in verse 19. We're in verse 19. Then said the king to Ittai, the Gittite. This is really interesting. And, and this is actually an illustration of the fact that you're going to find out who your real friends are. Now, who's Ittai? Well, Ittai is from a place called Gath. Does that sound familiar to you, Gath? Yeah, it's where Goliath was from. Okay, it's where uh, David had made a friendship with the Philistine king uh, previously, a man by the name of Achish. Well, this man, Ittai, was not even an Israelite. He was a stranger from, from Gath, the Philistine, who's now come over to the Israelite side and along with him, his family and his close colleagues. And watch what it says. So Ittai, the Gittite, comes to David. Wherefore goest thou also with us? So David says that to, to, to Ittai. Return to thy place, abide with the king, for thou art a stranger and also an exile. What a piece of advice that David gives. So David's getting all his friends together, all his mighty men and close uh, uh, cohorts, and they're getting out of the city. Why? Because they're in danger. He's focusing upon the, the friends that he has remaining. But then he says to Ittai, because Ittai has just re very recently joined David, he said, Ittai, there's no reason for you to leave. Why don't you just stay and join yourself to the king? He's already calling Absalom the king. You stay with the king. Um, in other words, and this is a great principle, David is not requiring everyone to have his enemies. Absalom has betrayed me, but just because Absalom has betrayed me, I'm not asking everyone then to say, okay, now everyone has to be against Absalom then. Now, obviously, Absalom has hurt David. But David is not going to hold his other friends to that same standard. I wonder how often we do that. Somebody gossips against me, so now I've got to tell all my friends, here's what this person did to me, so don't be their friend anymore. Here's what this person did to me, so don't talk to him anymore. But David didn't do that. You know, David didn't require that his friends be the friends of his friends or his enemies be the enemies of his enemies. No, he allowed people to have individual soul liberty in the matter. And he said to Ittai, Ittai, I think what's best for you is to stay here. See, David was always looking for what is best for the other person. Now, what would be best for David? Well, he needs all hands on deck. He needs everyone to help defend. He needs all the swords he can get. But that's not what David's heart is. David's heart here is for each individual person in the situation. Watch what he says in verse 20. Whereas thou camest but yesterday, you've only recently joined us. Should I this day make thee go up and down with us, seeing I go whither I may? Return thou, take back thy brethren, mercy and truth be with thee. Now, Ittai said, no way, no how, David, I'm in this with you. And I love that about Ittai. But I also love the heart of David. 
and how David said, I'm not going to require of you that just because someone is my betrayer, that now you have to take a stand against them. What a great principle for all of us to follow. Okay, so what have we learned so far? We've learned that when I feel betrayed, I need to expect it. I need to accept it. I need to allow the situation of betrayal to cause me to look inward. You know, in what way have I contributed to the breakdown of this relationship? I can't answer for other people. I'd love to be able to climb into their heart and make them choose another choice. I'd love to climb into their heart and give them a different motivation, but you can't control people. You can't do it. All you can do is ask God to help you to control yourself. And so learn to expect it. Learn to accept it. And then you're going to find out who your friends are. But don't require of your friends that they have the same uh, friends or enemies that you have. Just invest in them and do what's right by them. Now, look at verse 24. I'll give you one last principle for tonight. And I do appreciate you listening so carefully. Look at verse 24. They, they cross over the brook. They're heading up the, the Mount of, uh, of Olives. And, and watch who approaches David here. In verse 24, and lo, Zadok. You say, okay, Kurt, who's Zadok? Zadok is the priest. His job is to be the curator of the holy place, uh, uh, the, the tabernacle. Remember, the temple's not yet been built. And Zadok has with him the Ark of the Covenant, the symbol of the very presence of God. In other words, Zadok is like, David, if you're going, then God's going to go with us. We're going to take the Ark of the Covenant. We're going to take the, 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 the system of worship. It's all going to go. So Loda, the Bible says, Zadok also and all the Levites were with him, bearing the Ark of the Covenant of God. They set down the Ark of God, and Abiathar went up and unto all the people had done passing out of the city. And the king said unto Zadok, Carry back the ark. Zadok, I appreciate the thought. appreciate the gesture. Okay, but don't bring the ark with you. But bring the ark back to the city. Why? If I shall find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me again and show me both it and his habitation. But if he thus say, I have no delight in thee, behold, here am I. Let him do to me as seemeth good unto him. Well, what a spirit David had. I said, when we feel betrayed, we need to learn to expect it and to accept it. Look inward. We need to understand that this is a process by which God is going to unveil to us who our friends are and invest in them. Instead of lamenting the one that walked out, instead of uh, rebuking the one that's not even within earshot of you, invest in the one that's right next to you. Then I would say this, number three, when you feel betrayed, you're going to learn what really matters in life. Trials and betrayals have a way of crystallizing our thinking to help us to see, you know, what really matters. So David was able to have a clear vision in this chapter, the lowest point, I think, in his life of the things that really mattered in life. So I'd say this, when your vision is clear, because that's what trials do sometimes, they cause us to loosen our grip on things that don't matter. They cause us to look to the one who, who really matters and your vision becomes clearer, okay? So how can I know my vision is clear? 
how can I know that God is teaching me in this time of, of betrayal in my life? Okay, let me give you two thoughts. Okay, first of all, we knew David's vision was clear because he valued God's reputation above his own. Listen, you can know that you're seeing your situation clearly when you value the reputation of God above your own. David wasn't saying, I'm the king here, and this is so unfair, and I can't believe my son would. And You don't hear those words from David. You know what David's doing? He's accepting. He's investing in friends. And then he's saying, you know, uh, maybe God is, maybe God is, maybe God is using this in my life. I deserve this. And I know God's at work here in some way, shape, or form. And it's not my job to look good. It's not my job to justify myself. Let's let God do what God's doing. The important thing here is that he be glorified. The important thing here is that he be lifted up. And so it's not about my reputation. It's not even about my future kingdom. That might never come. It did, but David didn't know that. What's really important here is how people view God. I wonder, in your betrayal, in the situation that you're facing right now that hurts so badly, who are you concerned about? Well, I want to make sure everyone knows my side of the story. Is that really what's important? Or is it important that you invest in the people around you and you praise the God above you? Because that's what David did. Matter of fact, it even gets better. Not only did David say, God, it's your reputation that matters, but, but watch what happens in verse uh, 29. So Zadok, therefore, and Abiathar carried the ark of the God back to Jerusalem, and they tarried there. But look at verse 30. And David went up by the ascent of the Mount of Olivet. So Pastor Dennis, uh, you and I have been on this very road, the Palm Sunday road, the, the, the Mount of Olives road. Now, we walked down. They walked up. But they're walking up the Mount of Olives. Can you picture it? They're walking up the Mount of Olives. Some of you that go to Israel with us this, this coming uh, uh, December, you'll see it. It's an amazing thing. So they've crossed the Kidron Brook. They're walking up the Mount of Olives. The Bible says he wept as he went up. He had his head covered. He went barefoot. These were signs of, of mourning and humility. All the people that, uh, that was with him covered every man his head. They went up weeping as they went. Uh, look at uh, verse uh, 32. And it came to pass that when David was come to the top of the mount where he worshipped God. He came to the top of the mountain. He's lost everything. He's lost the loyalty of his son. He's lost the control of his nation. He's lost the symbol of the presence of God. The ark is going one way. David is going the other way. And yet, what do we find? We find David, he's not complaining, he's not lamenting, he's not justifying. He's been betrayed, but he's worshiping God. See, you can know your vision is clear when it's God's reputation that's important, not your own. And you can know that your vision is clear when you worship God, ready for this? When you worship God for who he is, not what he's done. It's so easy for us to only worship God when we perceive the blessings have come. Boy, I got the raise at work. and 
boy, people love me. People speak well of me. And boy, I'm so healthy. But David had a rock-solid relationship with God. He said, God, what really matters in all of this betrayal is that you, your glory would shine. And God, I worship you for who you are, not just what you've done. So, what do we do when we feel betrayed? Well, we ought to learn to expect it and accept it. People are going to fail us. It's only the Lord that doesn't fail. Look inward. How have I contributed? Find out who your friends are. Look at the people around you. They're in it with you. There's a level at which they've been betrayed as well. Invest in them. Love them. Help them. Lead them. And then, boy, find out what really matters. What matters in your situation is that God be glorified, that God be uplifted, and that God be worshipped. Why? Because we give thanks not only in all things, but for all things. Thank you, God, for the severed relationship. Thank you, God, for what you're going to do that I don't understand. Thank you, God, for COVID-19 and whatever you're doing to get glory for yourself. Thank you, God, for being who you are. God bless you, Moses Lake Baptist Church. Thanks for letting me join you tonight. I hope you have a great Sunday this coming weekend, and I look forward to seeing you this summer, Lord willing. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.